and welcome to another great message from Mr. Christian Outreach Church. We pray you'll be inspired and equipped by this teaching. For more information on Noosa Christian Outreach Church, please check out our website at noosacoc.org.au. Enjoy. Thank you all. Thank you all. Why don't you turn your Bibles to James chapter 1. Everyone ready to go for another ride on the Freedom Bike today? What we're trying to do this January is, uh, is not to give you everything, but to create a desire for the freedom of God. You see, all things start with desire. All good things that we acquire or attain in life start with desire. It says in, it says in the book of Timothy, it says, He who desires to be an elder desires a good thing he wants to give us the desires of our heart it's when we desire something that we go through the motions and the efforts that it takes to acquire what we desire and what i'm trying to do in this month of january is stir your heart to desire the liberty of god over every other form of liberty everybody say freedom what an amazing uh concept freedom is and you know we've we, over this last month, we've, we've gone through different aspects of freedom. We've talked about standing fast in the liberty of Christ. You know, stand, abiding in the word of God and you'll know his truth and the truth will set you free. We've talked about, last week we talked about comprehending the dimensions of God's greatness. You know, that the absoluteness of God is the liberty of man. We've, we're unpacking all these things. And we're discovering that the freedom that the Bible speaks about, it's less about the freedom, more about our response to God. You see, we gain freedom when we respond to God, to His Word, to, to what Christ did on the cross, to the thing. And, and God, God is asking us this morning, what is your response to what I have already done? You see, any form of freedom does two things. It protects us, from some form of danger and it creates a platform for some form of opportunity. It protects us from danger and enables us to live a life of opportunity. And you, we, if you're an Australian citizen, you, you have an aspect of freedom here. You're protected from certain dangers because of the laws of the land and because of, the, because of the, um, uh, the, 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 what the government provides when it comes to police and the military, etc. And, and, and then there's a platform of opportunity. You know, that, that we work to have a healthy economy so that we can get great jobs and there's support for families and, and opportunities to grow healthy and, and with free education and all these different things that, that a country provides for opportunity and for protection. But the Bible speaks of freedom as, you know, as, as we respond to him, we live in his freedom. You know, it's in some nations, it's illegal to be a christian it's illegal to read god's word and if you do potentially you can, in some of them you can be put to death but in these nations christians read their bible prolifically and they share their faith regularly here in australia we have a concept of freedom of speech freedom of religion yet in australia I would suggest that we're not as prolific in our reading of the Bible even though we're free to do so. We're not as prolific in sharing our faith even though we have freedom of religion. 
Isn't it interesting that in a country that declares itself free, we can be less free than in a country that has the opposite of freedom, what we would call freedom. You see, the desire that I'm trying to create and stir in you this month is that you would desire his freedom and you wouldn't, you wouldn't decide that you're free based on the circumstances of the country that you live in, the relationships that you have, the health that you, that, you, that you get to enjoy or the money that you've got in the bank. You wouldn't judge your sense of freedom from that perspective. You would judge it because he has made you free. And none of those things can give you the freedom that we're discussing right now. You see, the liberty of God is not a guarantee that you will live a blessed life. It's a platform and an opportunity to live a blessed life, but it's not a guarantee that you will live a blessed life. Let's look at James chapter 1, verse 25. It says this, Those who look into the perfect law of liberty and continue in it are not forgetful hearers, but are doers of the work. These ones will be blessed in what they do. You see, the grace and the liberty of God is only as powerful and effective as our decision to live according to it. We have this amazing opportunity to be free in Christ, yet sometimes we don't live free. And my goal, my heart, and our elders' heart for this church is that you would live free. Why don't we do it? Because we feel the effect of the natural laws, don't we? We feel the effect of natural laws. We feel gravity, but we don't. But, but God is saying, you're not under gravity anymore. We feel the weight of, of what this world says is a consequence for our action. We feel the shame and the guilt and the condemnation of our actions. And he's saying, no, you're no longer under the weight, the gravity of this world. You're actually under the liberty of my gospel. Paul refers to it in Romans 8 too. He says the law, he calls it the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. And we like to say the statement in the church these days that we're no longer under the law. Well, according to these scriptures, we're still under a law. We're just under the perfect law of liberty. We're no longer under the law of sin and death. We're under the law of liberty. How can freedom, how can liberty be a law? How can it be a law? It's a, you know, the, the concept of freedom is that we're free from the law. And he's saying, no, if you, those who continue in the perfect law of liberty, then their works will be blessed. What does law do? Law defines what is acceptable and what is unacceptable behavior. Along with the freedoms and the consequences of such actions. So what about this perfect law? What, what does this perfect law give us? The perfect law says this. It says, because you believe, you are now free from the law of sin and death. There is now, Romans 8.1, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation in you. This is one of the liberties. of This is one of the, 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 the things that we gain from the perfect law of liberty. What's unacceptable in the perfect law, law of liberty? What's unacceptable is for us to walk in guilt and in shame and in condemnation. 
See, we tend to do that, don't we? We tend to make mistakes. As long as we live in these, these bodies, we tend to make mistakes because the bodies keep crying out for things, don't they? They keep crying out for more food and more, more attention and more of this and more of that. And, we, and as we feed those things, you know, we feel the weight, don't we? And he's saying, make sure that you keep focused on my perfect law of liberty because as you focus on it, the weight that you feel because of your actions falls away. I want to encourage you that those feelings of, of shame and guilt are unacceptable in the law. Not in, a, not in a burden way. You don't want to feel guilty because you feel guilty. You want to say, Lord, I want to focus on you. You see, we cannot solve the things of guilt and shame and condemnation. We cannot solve those feelings, but we can focus on his perfect law of liberty. And this is what he's calling us to do. He's calling us to focus on his law, focus on his perfection, focus on his grace, on his mercy. When you woke up this morning, there was a pile of fresh mercy ready for you to start the day. Fresh mercy this morning, big pile of it. Let's get stuck right into that mercy. Let's use it up. Let's not waste any of that fresh mercy every morning. Let's use it so that we can shed ourselves of yesterday's mistakes and attain the glory that God has for us today so that we can not go from from mistake to mistake, that we can go from glory to glory in His mercy by His grace because He is all for us. Unfortunately, the consequence of walking in shame is that we have a life without peace. We can receive eternal life from God, but live a life without peace. You know, you you know your own life. You know, ask yourself the question: Do I have peace in my daily walk? Do I have? Do I? Do I feel like I'm walking in freedom? Do I feel like I'm walking in His hope? See, some days we 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 walk. We feel the dread of life. We feel the weight of life. We feel the, the challenges of, of, of our previous decisions that we have made and some that have been made uh, upon us. And, and, we, and we feel the weight. And I go, we, we ask, we are not free. We say, Lord, why am I not free? I have accepted you as my saviour, yet I'm not walking in your peace. And he's reminding you, get centred on me. Bring your focus back to me gaze into that perfect law of liberty and and understand that there is now no condemnation. There is now no guilt. There is now no shame. Nothing that you do, nothing that has been done to you can rob you of the peace that I have for you. The only requirement is that you keep focused on me. Accepting Christ as your saviour and not walking in his liberty is like owning a Ferrari and driving to Brisbane at 10 kilometres an hour. Not only are you going to get there slow, but everyone else is going to be very unhappy around you. Aren't they? I get unhappy with people who drive 90 in the 100 zone. I don't verbalise it, but I think, come on, buddy, let's up the game. Let's get there. We've got things to do. We've got people to see. We've got declarations to be made. We've got... We've got, you know, Kiwis to beat in the rugby. Whatever you're up to, Ian and I are going down to barrack for the Wallabies. You see, the, the perfect law... Here's, 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 let me explain the perfect law of liberty to you like this. When, if you're in the States, uh, you can commit a crime yet, 
and under the law, you need to get um, capital punishment. Yet, the president can give you a presidential pardon. It is a, it is a higher authority than the law of the land. And when Christ died on the cross, he didn't give you a presidential pardon. He gave you the king of all kings pardon. And you need to walk in the king of all kings pardon. Because what do we do? You know, if you've met anyone who's been to prison for, um, for committing some form of crime that they did, they did their time, right? They did their time. They're now free. Yet it's very difficult for them to stand with their head tall and walk free from that point because they're always thinking about what they've done. And, and their story always includes that they were in prison for a little while. Bring that back to yourself. Your story is always going to include the mistakes of your past. Your story is always going to include the things that you've done wrong, the things that were done wrong to you, yet he's called you to walk in his perfect law of liberty without shame, without guilt, without condemnation. He's given you the king of kings pardon and he wants you to walk free. And the only way that you can do that is to continue to focus on the source of that freedom. We need to continue to live free no matter how we feel. A couple of examples. I feel ashamed, but I choose to walk in honor. I feel guilty, but I walk in innocence. I feel like a stranger, but I choose to walk as a citizen. I feel strong, but I choose to walk in humility. I feel like doing it alone, but I choose to do it together. It's important that we don't let the dominating feelings of our bodies influence too much the decisions that we make about our future in the liberty of God. Isn't it interesting that, you know, we, we talk about the Old Testament law, you know, the law of sin and death, and then we've got this perfect law of liberty. I love that it's called the perfect law. What does perfect mean? It means you, there's nothing to add to it and there's nothing to take from it. You know, in our nation today, we, we've got a set of laws that are... Uh, have been established on what they call uh, Judeo-Christian principles, the Bible, basically. Our laws you know, were, were, were created by men who, who came from um, England, and, uh, and, and we, our laws were based on their Westminster system, which was based on uh, Christian principles. Yet many of those principles, many of those laws that we have now have either been changed or are currently being challenged in our parliament because a, a lot of people in our nation no longer align ourselves, align themselves with the principles of the word of God. You see, I think the average person loves some of the principles of God, but not others. We like the idea of loving our neighbor, but we don't like the idea of loving the Lord with everything that we are, with all of our heart, soul, strength and mind we don't like that's just too much to give isn't it we don't, but he's saying guys the perfect law of liberty is complete you cannot take anything away from it you cannot add anything to it when we dismiss God then our, the loving of our neighbor becomes tolerating your neighbor instead of loving your neighbor and he wants us to to the only way that you can love your neighbor is if love resides in you. And the only way love can reside in you is if you've given your heart to the God of love. 
there's aspects of the of the perfect law of liberty that I that I'm not right into. You know, I I, I love that um, there is no guilt. You know, in the perfect law of liberty, I love that part. But the loving of my enemy part is not so much something that I can embrace easily. It's great to feel guilt-free, but when someone else has done something to me, it's hard to allow them to feel guilt-free because, you know, because they're guilty. I like the no condemnation part, but the walking according to the flesh part, you know, I still kind of like that. I like a good healthy bowl of spaghetti bolognese every night of the week if possible. I like the fact that there's no condemnation. But the flesh speaks very loudly, doesn't it? The flesh speaks so loudly. It's got so many desires. It's got so many things that it wants and desires that, that, we, that, that we need to deny our flesh and be led by his spirit. These things aren't easy, are they? And they're part of this perfect law of liberty. They're part of this law that he talks about. Galatians 5.13 says this, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. You see, he's given us this, he's given us this freedom, this liberty. He's saying, don't use it just to satisfy yourself. Don't, don't let it dominate. Don't let it dominate you. you, you don't let grace be a, a, a permission. Don't let my freedom be, be a permission so that you can do whatever you want, whenever you want. How much time in life do we spend appeasing the flesh? How much time do we spend appeasing the flesh? In other words, I feel, therefore I will. I feel tired, therefore I, I sleep. I feel hungry, therefore I eat. I feel sad, therefore I drink. I feel this, therefore I do that. Let me tell you this, appeasing the flesh is a distraction at best from our brokenness. It's a distraction at best. Momentary distraction from your brokenness is appeasing the flesh. And we do it. We all do it, don't we? You get home from work, you turn the, you turn the idiot box on, and eventually that's who you become. Because we, we're appeasing the flesh and things that feed the flesh, they, they, don't, they don't serve your spiritual man. Do they? they don't serve that spirit person within you. I think half our challenge is we're trying to get too much out of these bodies. You know, our bodies can do a fair bit. God's given us amazing bodies with amazing digestive systems, with amazing muscle development. You can tear a muscle and it rebuilds. You can break a bone. You can, you can get a pin in it and, and it grows and it comes back together and you can use it the same again. You can, do, you can do many things with these bodies. I just reckon we may be trying to get a little bit too much out of them. We're trying to get spiritual joy out of a tool that God has given us to serve one another. The spiritual joy, you know, we, we, he says, seek first the kingdom of God. You know, when, and then he says, and then I'll take care of all the flesh stuff. I'll take care of all that. He says, seek first the kingdom of God. So seeking first the kingdom of God is not something physical because he separates it from that. Seeking first him is saying, there is no condemnation in me, therefore I can love with a perfect love. When I love you, I don't require anything in return. We can be on a journey in community and allow each other to grow at the rate that we're growing. 
great example I shared with you a few weeks ago that the challenge that I gave myself from Psalm 19 for the year. Now let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my Saviour and my Redeemer. And then five minutes later, the words of my mouth, you know, wasn't honourable to God. And then last week I was introducing my my uh, sister-in-law to you from, you know, and said, oh, she's a mini-Christian and, you know, and, and a very uh, chauvinistic comment about that, you know, which I apologise to you for because the challenge of the Lord for us to have the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart, you know, it requires us to continually focus on Him. And when our focus comes off Him, then the flesh comes to the surface. You know, if I want to get a laugh in church, I just take my focus off Christ just for one second, then beautiful laugh pops out. There you go. Off we go. You know what I mean? Reel them in. Reel them in with the flesh. My flesh, you know, taps into your flesh and we all have a laugh. God's going, hang on a second. How about you let the words of your mouth and the meditation of your heart be acceptable to me? And when you blow it, repent and move on. It's a difficult thing, isn't it? You know, and, you know, unfortunately for me, mine's a, every time I blow it, you know, you all get to see it firsthand. It's a beautiful thing. Which is, could be a good thing because you deal with it a lot quicker. And uh, you get to move through some of these things. But he's so faithful. And, I, and, and we know that we walk in his liberty so that the condemnation that we feel because of our actions is not a burden on our life. Even though we may feel it, we may, don't make decisions based on it. I don't get up here in shame this week because I, because I made a, a, a chauvinistic comment last week. I get up here in liberty because I know that the Lord is faithful every single day and His fresh mercies this morning, I'm tapping into them. And hopefully tapping into some of your mercy as well. So instead of our emotion, we listen to God's Word. We look at His perfection. We consult His Word and His perfection for counsel and direction in our lives. You see, we need clarity now more than ever. We have our vision Sunday for the church next week. The reason that we have a vision each each year is, you know, the word of God. He says, I, I am the Lord, I, I change not. You know, so the, why do we have a new vision each year? Because we need a clarity for a specific thing that God wants to do in our lives going forward. You need a clarity in your life specifically for what he wants you to do going forward. If you're a wife, if you're a husband, if you're, a, if you're an employee or a boss, if you're this, whatever it is, you need a clarity on how to love people well and how to be who God has called you to be. So we need this clarity. We need this vision for the task that is at hand. It says this, those who continue in this perfect law of liberty shall be blessed in their action. If we continue in it, you know, the last few weeks we've talked about abiding in him. We've talked, you know, we've talked about continuing in his word. We've talked about, you know, um, comprehending his absolute dimensions. We've talked about these things that, that we do that require us to constantly be present before him to constantly be focusing on him and when we do and 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 when we continue in this perfect law of liberty our actions are blessed you see we can be free but not live a life of blessing 
because our actions aren't driven by the perfect law of liberty. Our decision to follow Christ was for eternal life, but our actions day to day aren't necessarily driven by that liberty because we, st- we want to be free from the consequence of sin, but we still want to enjoy the benefits of it. I love it. It reminds me of Psalm 1 that, that says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. You see, we don't focus on the law of sin and death. We focus on the law of liberty. We meditate on the law of liberty. He that meditates in the law and walks according to it, the psalmist says, shall prosper in whatever they do. But we walk in a new law. We don't walk in the old law. We don't walk in a law that's based on behavior. We walk in a law that's based on perfect liberty, where no matter what we do, his perfect law of liberty provides a fresh pile of mercy every morning. Not so that we can use it for ourselves, not so we can use it for the flesh, so that we can love each other properly, so that we don't love out of shame, out of guilt, out of condemnation. We love out of mercy and out of, out of a desire for them to be all that they can be as well. So here's the tips. We begin by meditating on his freedom. Meditate on his freedom. We don't, you know, we, we, when we think of the word meditation these days, we're probably drawn to some, some you know, new age type things. But he wants you to meditate on his mercy. Meditate on his liberty. Meditate on his perfection. Meditate on his grace. Meditate on his truth. Meditate on things that center you according to who he says you are, not according to what your behavior has labeled you. Consider the gospel of Jesus. I I like the word consider for meditation today. You know, we need to take some time just to consider the things of God. You know, before you do anything, you consider it, don't you? Consider the things of God. I, I love, you know, I love it that it's not just in the knowing though, is it? So first thing we need to do is meditate. We need to consider the things of God. Then we actually need to do them. In James chapter 1, the previous verses are all about do not be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. John 13, 17 says this, if you know these things, it's all good, but happy are you if you do them. It's great to know that he is the Prince of Peace, but unless you're walking and making decisions based on the fact that you have his peace, then you're not happy. You can be a Christian and totally unhappy. Everyone, anyone ever met an unhappy Christian? Are they sitting next to you? I'm just kidding. Don't fall for that one. It's not talking, but walking that brings us into his freedom. You see, we're not saved or free by our, work, uh, by our works. We're not saved or free by our works. Let's just deal with that now. We're saved and free by, by believing with our heart and confessing with our mind. We're not saved by works. We're saved by His grace through faith. Yet here's the thing. That doesn't give us a life of freedom. It's when our life's work is a response to His perfect freedom that we get to walk in His peace. When your life is a response to his gift, then you will be blessed. 
You see, we, we, you can't have it both ways. You need, to, you need to understand that you need to make decisions not based on what your flesh is, is crying out. You need to make decisions based on what His Word has told you that He has already done for you. James 1.21, a few verses back, says, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. I like the King James Version. It calls it all filthiness and the superfluity of naughtiness. You've got to love the good king. The idea here, it's not about behavior. It's about clearing out the negative influences. Filthiness and the overflow of wickedness, these are, these are just, you know, dealing with those corrupt affections, dealing with those, the, those, those excessive selfishness things. These aren't the, the behavior that's dealing with the things that lead to behavior. saying, get them out of the way. And then it says this, receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Receive it. Accept the truth of it. Consent to the principles of it. Embrace the implanted word. It used, some, some versions say the grafted word. As in like two trees are grafted together. You see, we want, to be, we want to receive the implanted word of God that seriously so that when fruit is, is, when we bear fruit in our lives, it looks like us, but it tastes like Him. You see, your life's, you're created in His image, so whatever fruit you produce is always going to look like you, but it needs to taste like Him. It needs to taste like the goodness of God. And this is what we do when we receive with meekness, the implanted word. There's an old hymn that says, trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, just trust and obey. It's, you know, it's, it's simple words, but in a, in a generation that doesn't trust easily. We don't trust easily anymore. We don't, you know, we, we say to people, you need to earn my trust. And I want to suggest to you a different theory when it comes to, to God and His Word. We need to invest trust. We don't need, you know how we're, we're in this age of reason where we want, we want to know what we're going to get once we hand our money over. Once we make the commitment, I want to know what I'm going to get. And he's saying, you'll get freedom. And you, and you go, well, what does freedom look like? Well, you go, he says, well, wait and see. Taste and see but you don't get to taste until you make the commitment, until you believe, until you take the step of faith based on, on the hope that is before you. So he's saying, trust, put trust in me. I challenge you today to trust in his freedom. Why doesn't the band jump up? Those who look into the perfect law of liberty and continue in it are not, for, are not forgetful hearers but are doers of the work. These ones will be blessed in what they do. Why don't you stand with me this morning? I want to pray for you this morning. I want to pray for you that, that we stand here just for one moment and we look into the perfect law of liberty and we ask God, as we do, that he would reveal his peace in us afresh. They would reveal his hope in us afresh. That we would understand what it means to, to, to be bigger than how we feel in the natural. 
Why don't you close your eyes with me and bow your heads? If you want to experience a new revelation of God's peace, if you want to experience a new revelation of, of, of the freedom that he has, why don't you put your hand on your heart just as a sign that, that you're in agreement and uh, let me pray with you. Father, for every heart that has a hand upon it in this house today, Lord, I ask that as they gaze upon your perfect law of liberty through Jesus Christ, Lord, as we gaze upon it, Lord, that you would reveal to us your peace. You would reveal to us a new measure of your truth, a new measure of hope, Lord, that you would make it abundantly clear that your mercies are new this morning, Lord, that your grace is all sufficient, Father, that no matter how we feel, no matter what we're walking through, we are free indeed. So we thank you for that revelation, Lord. Pierce the hearts of your people this morning. Pierce them with your love. Pierce them with your hope, Lord. Pierce them with that truth. Lord, pierce them with that peace that goes beyond the understanding. We declare to their understanding today, come into submission to the peace of the King of all kings. Come into submission to the perfect law of liberty, Lord. Today we take a step of faith. Today we lift up, lift up our hearts and we present them to you, Father, and we seek first your kingdom, Lord. We declare to our flesh, come into submission to the Spirit of God. We declare that we are people who are called to a life of liberty. So we declare that we will be led by your Holy Spirit, not according to our flesh. We thank you, Father. We thank you that you have empowered us with all authority. You have called us temples of your Holy Spirit. You reside in us. You work through us. And we give you all the glory and we give you all the praise in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Let's sing, church.